Take your Bibles, please turn over to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. 1 Chronicles chapter number 4. When you find your place, you can stand with me, please. I have preached from this chapter before, but this is a brand new message. God started giving it to me on Friday. I told my wife yesterday morning when we were out on soul winning visitation that I uh, said, I feel like God wants me to put off the series on the Lord gave the word and preach this. And so that's what we're doing tonight. Just trying to mind the Lord. First Chronicles chapter four comes right before second Chronicles. Are you there? Verse number nine, and Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Tonight we're going to look at this verse and by way of introduction, but we're going to come back and preach the message out of that statement in verse number 10, enlarge my coast. Father, we ask you this evening, if you would, to give us strength and power to rightly divide the word of truth that may God's people be challenged and stirred and changed from this message. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. This verse has been preached several times in this pulpit, I know, in the last several years. But Friday, this, uh, this verse, this prayer, if you will, uh, just really began to occupy my thoughts and my meditations and throughout the afternoon and the evening on Friday couldn't get away from this thought and just begin to just jot down some ideas on my phone. Not sure when I would preach it, but then Saturday morning it just kind of all came back. And I really feel like God's got something for us tonight from these verses. We don't know much about Jabez. The, the, the name Jabez is really only found in our Bible through just two or three, four times. It's mentioned here in verse 9 twice and verse number 10 once. And in chapter 2, the last verse in chapter 2, Jabez is a place in verse number 55, the families of the scribes which dwelt at Jabez. And so we don't know a lot about this, this man other than what's given in verse 9 and 10. But we know enough about him that we can be, we can be stirred and challenged by the things in his life that we do know. And there's several things that I want to look at tonight by way of introduction before we get into the actually to the meat of the message. Uh, some of the things that we know about Jabez that we find in verse number 9 and verse number 10. First of all, I want you to notice the honor that he demonstrated. The honor that he demonstrated. The Bible says in verse number 9, Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. That's, that's a pretty good testimony. I actually jotted this down on my paper here. Honor is not a competition. Right. Right. 
But the Bible says he was more honorable than his brethren. You can't minimize that. The Bible's clear he was more honorable than his brethren. Honor is something that's rare these days. Can I get a witness on that? What I notice about this statement, Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. That is not something that happens by accident. So can I say it? Jabez wasn't satisfied with the status quo or busy just trying to fit in. Honor and being honorable to him was a serious thing. It's obvious he took it serious. Jabez had higher standards. He had a higher plane that he desired to live in, obviously, for the Bible to say that Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. Boy, you could preach a whole message on what does it mean to be more honorable. And I don't think tonight we could even begin to scratch the surface of what all just that one statement right there entails. A life of honor a life of exceptional honor, a life of extraordinary honor where things that a lot of people didn't think was serious, he thought they were serious. Things that people didn't think was a big deal, he thought it was a big deal. Things that people got involved in that he says, I'm not going to get involved in. Things that people would not get involved in. Things that people would not do, he says, I'm going to do that. And the Bible says that he was more honorable than his brethren. This is a very important part of this story because of verse number nine, the fact that he was more honorable than his brethren plays a big factor in the prayer that he prays in verse number 10. By the way, his name means sorrow or sorrowful. His mother said, because I bear him with sorrow, his mother called his name Jabez. Now, I don't really know what all that involves. Again, all we have is what we've got in these verses. I don't know if she had a, a painful labor and delivery. I don't know if there was a physical problems or medical problems. I don't know if her husband abandoned her. I don't know if she was out in the middle of the woods when she had him. I don't have a clue what this means, but I do know this. His name means sorrowful, and yet that did not stop him from striving to be more honorable than all of his brethren. Whatever reasons that his name was called sorrowful, I think we can all agree tonight that his name probably would have given him an excuse or an out to not be the man that God would have him to be. And yet though his name means sorrowful, which means many sorrows, he strove to be a man of higher character and integrity and honor. We see the honor that he demonstrated. Number two, in verse number 10, we see the hunger that he described. He prayed in verse number 10, he called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that thou wouldest bless me. He didn't just say that thou wouldest bless me. He said, oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. God help us this evening to crave and desire and long for the blessings of God upon our life. By the way, God wants to bless you. 
God wants to bless your life. God wants to bless me. God's not sitting up in heaven uh, 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 building a barbed wire fence around his bank account or around his, around his, uh, his uh, storehouse. God wants to bless. God wants to move. God wants to manifest. The problem is not the shortage on God's end. The problem is there's a shortage of people that praise prayers like this right here saying, God, I want you to bless me and I want you to bless me indeed. Understanding that been praying that there are some stipulations that have to be attached. God's not going to bless a person who's living a life that God said he would curse. Come on now. God is pretty clear in his Bible. He will bless some people. He will curse some people. And he says, I put before you, I've set before you uh, blessings and cursings. We got people today that act like they want God to bless them, but they're not living a life to set them up for the blessings of God. God can't bless some people. God won't bless some people. Bless me indeed, he said. And then he went and said, enlarge my coast. We'll come back to that in just a minute. But what a statement, what a prayer. What a hunger, what a desire. He craved and longed for these things in his life. Thirdly, I want you to notice the hand that he desired. Boy, we heard a good message on that this morning. I already had my message ready when he got up and preached this this morning. So I won't expound this point too much, but I can't, I can't not touch on it. He said in verse number 10, all oh, that thine hand might be with me. I believe Jabez understood the power of having the hand of God upon his life. I think Jabez is making a statement here. I don't want to live my life with your hand not being with me, as Brother Sutton preached this morning, your hand that sustains and your hand of safety and your hand of steering and your hand of service, all these things that God provides with his hand, I think Jabez says, I want that in my life. Right. We got some people living their life with a keep off sign. Yes. They don't want God's hand on them. They don't want God touching them. But here he is praying that a hand might be with me. Nehemiah was able to build a wall in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse number 18. He says, I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Nehemiah needed the hand of God upon him and had the hand of God upon him. As we heard this morning, Ezra chapter 7 and 8, multiple times, Ezra said, the good hand of our God was upon me. Jabez knew that if he was going to be successful, if he was going to do anything at all in life, he needed the hand of God upon him and with him. And let me say this to you this evening. If you don't know what it's like to have the hand of God upon you, you have no idea what you're missing. You have no idea what you're missing out on for the hand of God not to be upon your life and to be with you and for God to be working supernaturally on your behalf. God going before you, God being around you and protecting you and keeping you sheltered and safe and all the things that comes with the hand of God. If you don't have that, you don't know what you're missing out on. We see the hand that he desired. And fourthly, in verse number 10, we see the holiness that he demanded. That thy hand might be with me and that thou wouldest keep me from evil that it may not grieve me. My goodness. That thou wouldest keep me from evil. Holiness that he demanded in his own life 
And I think it's interesting how it's worded here. He didn't say that thou wouldest keep me from evil that it may not grieve thee. We know that evil grieves God. Can, I, can we get an amen on that? Evil grieves God. The problem is a lot of things in our life that God calls evil don't grieve us. That's the problem. We've accepted and we've, we've, we've incorporated a pretty high tolerance for evil and sin in our own life. And we're not really worried about whether or not it grieves God. If we think about it for two seconds, we will know that it grieves God. The problem is it don't grieve us. You know you're getting where you need to be. Come on, y'all. When the same things that grieves God grieves us. When our hearts are broken and our hearts are burdened over the same things that breaks God's heart and burdens God's heart, the things that makes him weep ought to make us weep. The things that makes him smile ought to make us smile. We got to get on the same page with God about this matter of holiness. There's a lot of churches, a lot of ministries that are trying to enlarge their coast by tossing holiness in the garbage can. They've stopped pursuing holiness. They've stopped preaching it. They've stopped naming evil. Jabez wanted God to enlarge his coast, but not at the expense of accepting evil. I'm telling you, Jabez is an amazing character right here. We got a lot of people today that's wanting everybody's approval and everybody's hand and everybody else's blessing, but God's. He wanted God's blessing. He wanted God's hand. He wanted God's approval on his life. But I want to focus on that one stage, that one statement in verse number 10, where he said, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. That statement right there has been on my heart for about three days. And I thought to myself, what, is, what was he asking for? When Jabez said, enlarge my coast, what exactly is it that he was praying for? And would there be anybody here tonight after we preach this message that would dare pray the same prayer and have the same desire and have the same hunger that Jabez had and ask God with a sincere heart to enlarge their coast? As I begin to look at this verse, I just begin to meditate on the whole concept. I came up with four things I want to give you tonight. Number one, a prayer for God to enlarge your coast is a prayer for God to enlarge your reach. Your reach. I'm just thinking through this thing systematically here. Because the coast is a natural boundary to the place where you already are. Stay with me. The coast is the stopping point. The coast is the furthest place of your current area. Are y'all still with me? I'm just thinking through this statement. I mean, he's praying, enlarge my coast. What is he praying for? What is he asking God for? A coast is a clearly defined point on the map. Right down this hallway, we've got a big old map of the Baltimore area and the Dundalk and Essex area. And all on that map, there's coasts on that map. That map's been hanging there for nine years and it, those coasts hadn't moved. Okay, they're still there. It's a clearly defined point on the map and the coast is stationary and it's not up for debate whether or not that coast is there. Jabez wasn't praying or asking for 
a different coast. He wasn't asking for a nicer coast or a more beautiful coast or a more convenient coast. Jabez was praying for more coast. Enlarge my coast. Is that not what it says? In other words, he was praying for God to expand his territory. That word enlarge, if you look it up, it literally means to multiply, to increase, to make much, or to become great and numerous. In other words, where Jabez was living, where he was serving, where he was working, where he was ministering, where he was laboring, was not big enough for what was in his heart that he wanted to do. Asking God to enlarge his coast. Can I say it? Jabez was praying for more. He was praying for more reach. He was praying for more influence. He was praying for more impact. He was praying for more growth. It's not deep message, but I'm just trying to drill down on this. What is he talking about here? When he prayed and asked God to enlarge his coast, what was he asking for? He was asking God for more reach. He was praying for more. He was asking God to help him outgrow the place where he was at the time. He was asking God to help him outgrow the people where he was at the time. Will that work? He was asking God to help him outgrow the perimeters where he was at the time. Enlarge my coast. It involved a place. It involved people. It involved perimeters. He said, Lord, if you could, I'd like for you to bump that out. I'd like for you to enlarge my coast. By the way, this prayer could be for an individual. Like Jabez, Jabez was an individual. Jabez is praying a personal prayer in verse number 10, and he says, enlarge my coast. This is a personal prayer. He's asking God to do this for him in his life. You could be here this evening, and if nobody else wants to pray this prayer, you could. If nobody else is hungry for this, you could be. Nobody else might not desire. Nobody else might be interested in this right here. This might not appeal to anybody else, but it doesn't have to stop you. It could be a personal prayer for an individual. It could be a prayer for a family. Boy, how significant are families. God can use a family to do unbelievable things. I talk to pastors all the time on the phone. I talk to preachers all the time. And they say, man, I got this family in my church. They are a blessing. I was down at Gloryland last week. And Brother Watson was bragging on his people. He says, I'm telling you, this family, this family's faithful. This family's involved. This family's serving. This family gives. This family's faithful to soul winning. And he's talking about the family. I mean, families that can be exceptional. Families that can have a desire and a greater hunger to be used of God as a family. The world has no problem with families being exceptional. Every time you pick up a bottle of Heinz ketchup, you don't realize the Heinz family. The Heinz family. The Marriott's, that's a family. Oh yeah. These people have made their mark on the world. The Bordens, the milk, the Bordens, that's a family, that's a dynasty. You think about the, you think about the, the Carnegie's. You think about uh, uh, the Rockefellers. These are families. The Kennedys. This is a, a family of people that said we want to do something above average. 
Like them or not like them, that's beside the point. My point being, you as a family, regardless of what any other family does, your family can say, God, enlarge our coast. Let our family do more. Cover more territory. It could be for an individual. It could be for a family. Prayer could be for a church. Only God knows what a single church can do for him. Only God knows the impact that a single church can have. Do you want to be a part of a church that's praying for God to enlarge their coast? I believe with all my heart that we're in a place where God has supernaturally allowed us to expand and enlarge our reach. When you think about it, two years ago, two years ago, March of 2021, our church was in 43 nations. And then God laid the Every Nation Project on my heart. And you got that vision and you shared that vision with me and you begin to give and you begin to pray and we begin to take on missionaries and we went from being in 43 of the 195 countries to 158 of the nations on this world. Can I say it? With God's help, God's allowed us to enlarge our reach as a church. In the fall of last year, we were in nine of the 50 states and we started the Every State Project and we're now in right at 40 of the 50 states. God has allowed us to enlarge our reach. God's allowed us to bump out our influence and our impact and have a greater reach. But let's just, let's just be honest. So many people just choose to live with their natural limitations. Most people never think of asking God to enlarge their coast. They just accept their current coast as the ultimate. They accept their current coast as the clearly defined end of their reach. Can I say it? They look at their coast as the predetermined extent of their influence. Jabez says, I want you to enlarge my coast. I'm not happy with where the coast is. I want more. Come on, y'all. Let's just be honest. Most people are spread thin just within the coast of their own home. Most people are overwhelmed with just the coast that involves their spouse and their children. That is more reach than they are spiritually and mentally and emotionally capable of reaching. They're not even coming close to reaching the people with their own current sphere of influence within their own currently existing coasts. And they're not looking for more reach. They're not looking for more influence. A lot of people are looking for less. Come on, y'all. They're trying to get out of reaching the people that they already have within their coast. They're overwhelmed by what opportunities lie within their existing coast. They're not praying for God to enlarge their coast so that he can enlarge their reach. They're overwhelmed with what they already have. But Jabez prayed for God to enlarge his coast. Is everybody still with me? By the way, I'm fully aware that this message is only going to resonate with a very small percentage of people, but I'm preaching what God gave me tonight. Amen. Amen. Number two, a prayer for God to enlarge your coast is a prayer for God to enlarge your responsibilities. 
Now you can pray all you want to for God to enlarge your coast, but you better understand something. Luke 12, 48 is clear. To, to whomever much is given, of him shall be much required. If God chooses to answer your prayer, to enlarge your coast, you can go ahead and mark this down. With that will come greater responsibility than you already have. God's not going to give you more territory. God's not going to give you more coast. God's not going to give you greater reach and not increase the amount of responsibility that is attached to it. Many people do not realize that with greater influence comes greater responsibility and greater accountability. That's a word people don't like. Accountability. Responsibility. The more people you have to influence, the more people God allows you to influence, the more responsibility you are going to have for how you influence them. Let's just soak in just a minute. Some of you sitting here right now, you've got 1,200 friends on Facebook. You say, I wish I could have 5,000. That's the maximum. I wish I could have 5,000. 5,000 friends on Facebook to read the post that you're putting up there right now? I mean, just, I'm just trying to relate this evening. More people? You want to influence more people? With that comes greater responsibility. James said it like this, Brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. With more influence comes greater judgment, more condemnation, more accountability, and more responsibility. Jabez said, Enlarge my coast. I've got responsibilities now. I've got a family now. I've got people around me now. I've got a sphere of influence now. But I want you to enlarge my coast, knowing that if you enlarge my coast, that is going to be a greater burden of responsibility that I have to be prepared to accept in order for you to enlarge my coast. Greater responsibility for me to steward. This is stuff I think about driving down the road. Responsibility. By the way, everybody in here has got responsibilities. Everybody in here has already got a long list of responsibilities. You've got a responsibility to your wife. You've got a responsibility to your children. You've got a responsibility to your job, your boss. You've got a responsibility to your family. You've got a responsibility to this church. If you're a member, you've got a responsibility to this church. You say, well, not me. I'm just a member. You didn't hear what I said. I said, if you're a member of this church, you've got responsibilities to this church. You've got responsibilities to God. You've got responsibilities to the lost. You've got responsibilities to the world. Everybody in here already has a long list of responsibilities, which is why a lot of people do not ask God to enlarge their coast because they do not want more responsibility than what they already have. Jabez was praying for God to enlarge his coast. And by praying that, he was asking God to enlarge his responsibilities. Get, put more on me, Lord. Sometimes when you're loading firewood on somebody, you put four or five sticks on there and they say, I can, tear, I can carry some more, give me some more. You put three or four more on there, their chin's up here like this, and you say, is that good? No, I can tote a few more. 
Load me down. I, I, I've, got the, I've got the capacity for a few more sticks, a little bit more burden. We got church members today that don't want any more responsibility. Well, if you want God to enlarge your coast, you've got to take the responsibility that comes with it. Number three, a prayer for God to enlarge your coast is a prayer for God to enlarge your resistance. Because you can mark this down, asking God to enlarge your coast is not going to sit well with some people. Praying and asking God like Jabez did here to enlarge your coast will increase the opposition and the adversity that's going to be directed at you because of your prayer for God to enlarge your coast. You're going to have to be willing to take the heat, take the fight, take the opposition, take the adversity that's coming with the enlarging of your coast. As one preacher said, new levels, new devils. I made a list of two different groups of people that you're going to have to deal with that's going to resist your desire for God to enlarge your coast. Just write these down. The, one, the first one that I thought of was the inhabitants. The inhabitants of the land that you're asking God to give you. Now stay with me. I just think when I read a verse like this, I just stop and I just start dissecting it in my mind. I just start chewing on this thing and breaking it down. And I start looking at it from, a, from a, just a logical uh, uh, perspective. But let me just tell you some of this. For God to enlarge your coast, he's going to take it from somebody else to give it to you. If God's going to enlarge your coast, he's going to have to take it from somebody else that already has it and reappropriate it to you. Well, they probably ain't going to appreciate it. You know how many wars down through history have been fought over people wanting more territory? Huh? They wanted to expand their kingdom. They wanted more land. They wanted more people. They wanted more this and that. Well, guess what? A lot of times it involved a war and a conflict in order for that to happen. If God answers your prayer... To enlarge your coast, you are essentially invading somebody else's territory. So you better be ready to expect some opposition from the inhabitants of that territory when you move in on them. Don't think for one minute the enemy is going to be grateful that God is enlarging your coast. By the way, the devil thinks it's his territory. He thinks he's got unlimited and undisputed rights to that territory. And when God decides to give it to you because you've prayed for it and because you've lived a life that is more honorable than your brethren and because you want God's blessings and you want God to bless you indeed and you're praying for God to enlarge your coast, trust me when I tell you this, the devil ain't gonna appreciate your desire to have greater influence and greater impact. You're gonna have to deal with some resistance. But if God's given it to you, take it, occupy it, put your flag in the ground, say, I'm here. We're going to do something for God. There are so many applications to this message, it's unbelievable. I'm just letting the Holy Ghost help you with it tonight. Listen to me. The inhabitants of the land ain't going to appreciate it when God starts enlarging your coast. You're going to get a big old bullseye painted right on your back. Amen. Not only will the inhabitants of the land resist you, but the inactive 
around you will have a problem with it. Those that are content with where they are and what they're doing or not doing will not understand your prayer and your desire for God in larger coast. They are not going to understand it. Your most vocal opponents will be those that are not even capable of handling the coast. They already have. Is everybody still with me? The ones that will criticize you for wanting to do more will be those that are doing nothing. I thought about David walking up there with the cheese and the bread and the corn for his brothers. Eliab, his older brother, standing there with all of his gear on, standing there as a part of the army for 40 days listening to Goliath reproach God. David walks up there to try to be a blessing. And he hears the, the blasphemy and the reproach of the, of the giant Goliath and he says, what, what, what's be done to the man that, that kills this giant and Eliab gets his blood pressure up. Starts accusing David of having pride. The ones that are not doing anything will be the most upset that you want to do something. They won't like it. They won't understand it. They will say things. They will try to discourage you. The inactive will resist your prayers for God to enlarge your coast. Greatest critics will be those that are wanting God secretly to shrink their coast. They're looking for a way to get out of what they're already supposed to be doing. Come on, y'all. They don't want more reach. They don't want more responsibility. They are already not doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know who's going to get, you know who's going to make snarky comments at you for wanting to go soul winning? People that ain't going soul winning. They will have something stupid to say. You can mark it down. Well, you ain't got to go every Saturday, says the person that has never gone one time on a Saturday. I wish to goodness I had a dollar for every time I took criticism from somebody that has no idea what I have in my heart to do for God. But I chose a long time ago, I'm not going to let people that are unfaithful dictate my level of faithfulness. And I'm not going to let people that spend their whole life spinning their wheels, spend their whole life sitting on a pew, warming a bench, tell me how to serve God, tell me what I can and can't do, tell me what I ought to be doing. I'm not going to do it. You shouldn't either. The only thing some people's good at is criticizing and harassing those that are praying for God in larger coast. They're real good at pouring water on somebody else's fire. They've never built a fire in their life. They don't even own a box of matches, but they got plenty of buckets of water and fire extinguishers to put out any fire that starts around them that makes them look bad. Are y'all getting, am I preaching clear and plain enough tonight? Don't let that crowd influence you. When they see that you're wanting God to use you and enlarge your coast and they start making dumb comments, just let it go in one ear and out the other. Jabez was praying, this was a prayer he was praying to God. This conversation was going this away, not this away. I've been praying for God for years to enlarge my coast. For years. And years ago, 
God had already enlarged my coast more than most people was comfortable with. But I wasn't ready. I wasn't satisfied. Even when I was a missionary in Africa, in South Africa, I flew to Ghana for two weeks to preach a meeting up there. You say, well, why wasn't you happy in South Africa? See, you don't understand a thing I'm saying. You ain't heard of a thing I've said. Right. Yes. Right. I was in South Africa. I was the only independent Baptist missionary in a five-hour radius of where I was. I had a million people in Bloemfontein, three million people in the Free State Province, and I went to Ghana for two weeks. Why would you do that? You don't understand what it means for God to enlarge your coast. Won't you just stay where you are? That's my message. Some of us don't want to just stay right where we are and just focus on the little area we're at. We want God to enlarge our coast. Some of y'all are getting real nervous right now. You're like, where's Pastor Schiffer going with this message? I ain't going nowhere. You getting ready to leave Dundalk? No, I'm not getting ready to leave Dundalk. I'm fine right here. I'm happy right here. But if it's okay with you, I'm praying for God to enlarge my coast. Dr. Keene, Dr. Charles Keene. Boy, I love Dr. Keene. What an inspiration that man is. He's nearing the end of his ministry. He's, he's got to be in his late 70s or early 80s. I mean, just he's got to be getting close to the... He made a statement to me. He made a statement to me. Sitting at the table right here in Dundalk. That if some of y'all would have heard it, you wouldn't have took it the way I took it. It would have made some of y'all mad. It would have offended some of y'all. And a lot of you would have just scratched your head and said, I wonder what he was trying to say. But I knew exactly what he was trying to say. Now you want me to tell you what he said, don't you? Dr. Keene said to me, he said, Brother Schiff, God did not bring you to Dundalk, Maryland to pastor just 350 people. He said, God wants to use you all over the whole world. I said, I know that. I've been praying for that. He already is. He said, I want you to listen to me very carefully. Your church is going to have to get on the same page with you. He said, God's got something he wants you to do. And it's not going to be just inside the four walls of Calvary Baptist Church. I said, I know that. I, I, I have already come to grips with that. I said, but I got some people that don't understand that. Because, see, they're overwhelmed with their responsibilities just within the four walls. Doing something outside the four walls is beyond their comprehension. Now it's fixing to get real. God has answered this prayer in my life. A prayer that I have prayed for years. God is answering this prayer. I have more pastors call me for advice in a week than I do church members. In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say this, Brother Adriel. My truck is here between 40 and 60 hours a week. My truck is here. I'm here on this property. And when I'm in that office in yonder, 90% of the phone calls that I get are not from church members asking for advice and counsel. It's pastors all over America, missionaries all over the world calling me. Preacher, I know you're busy. I know you're so busy. You've got a lot going on. But could you take a few minutes? I said, i got all the time in the world. I'm just sitting right here at my desk waiting for somebody to call Waiting for somebody to need me. Waiting for somebody to ask me something. 
Let me ask you a question. If you was me, what would you do? Would you say, I can't talk to you. One of my church members might walk in here in a minute and need me. Or would you help them? Would you help them? Absolutely. You better believe you would. You say, Preacher, what are you saying? All I'm saying is this, that a lot of people are not asking God to enlarge their coast because they're not doing what they're already supposed to be doing. They couldn't handle more. And I don't think for one second that there's a single church member that gets upset when I slip off to preach three or four services for a missions conference. But you ought to be thanking God that God is enlarging our coast as a church. I mean, when a pastor says, I want you to come and share with our people what God's doing at Calvary Baptist Church. We're hearing about your Every Nation project. We're hearing about the Every State project. We're hearing about how your faith promise is up over 400,000. Our people don't understand some things about missions. Could you come and walk us through that? I'm not going to say no. I'm just going to sit here in my office in case somebody needs me. What would you do? I've asked God to enlarge my coast. I'm just being real with y'all tonight. By the way, my phone works even when I'm not here. I don't have to be here to help you. <laughs> By the way, a pastor really never checks out or clocks out. We just pastor from another town. It's a 24-7 responsibility. And my primary responsibility, my primary burden is Calvary Baptist Church and the furtherance of the work of God and ministering to the people in this church and meeting the needs of the people in this church and getting up messages to preach in this church. But if it is okay with y'all, I've kind of been sneaking around and asking God to enlarge my coast and he's kind of doing it. And I'm kind of thankful. I'm thankful that through our live stream ministry, there are more people that hear my preaching outside of this church than is inside this church. Now, that's a fact. Of course, my heart is to preach here. This, I mean, I'm a thousand percent in to preach right here. But through the blessings of technology and the way all this works, there will be hundreds more people to hear this message than is here tonight to hear it in person. I believe to my heart, that is God enlarging our coast. What I don't want to have to deal with is resistance from the inactive on top of the inhabitants of the land. Amen. Amen. Number three, number four. Is everybody okay? A prayer for God to enlarge your coast is a prayer for God to enlarge your reward. See, enlarge my coast means there's a bigger payoff. Obviously, why else would you ask for it? Why else would you pray for it? I want to show you something. This is so cool. First Corinthians, First Kings, chapter ten, chapter nine. Turn to First Kings nine. I looked back there at the time and I almost got distracted. And then I thought, I don't care what time it is. It don't matter. First Kings, chapter number nine. I want to show you something. We're talking about we're talking about enlarging your coast. We're talking about the, the enlarging your reward. In 1 Kings chapter number 9, we know from reading our Bible that Solomon was an extremely wealthy man. Can we all agree on that? Solomon was, what we would say down south, filthy rich. But do you realize that Solomon had a navy that traveled to countries beyond his own coasts? 
This is amazing. In 1 Kings 9, look at verse number 26. King Solomon made a navy of ships in, 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 in Ezeongeber, which is beside Eloth on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent in the navy his servants, shipmen, that had knowledge of the sea and with the servants of Solomon. And they came to Ophir and fetched from thence gold, 420 talents, and brought it to King Solomon. Guess where they had to go to get that? Outside their own coasts. Look at chapter 10. Look over at chapter 10, verse number 11. And the navy also of Hiram that brought gold from Ophir. By the way, I looked it up. That's in southern Arabia. That's not in Israel. They brought gold from Ophir. Brought it in from Ophir. Great plenty of almug trees. I looked that up. I never had heard of an almug tree of you, except right here. Almug trees and precious stones. Look at verse 12. And the king made of the almug trees. That's like sandalwood. Those almug trees, he, he made of them pillars for the house of the Lord from southern Arabia. They went to southern Arabia and got the almug trees and brought them back and made pillars for the house of God and for the king's house. Harps also and psalteries for singers. They took that wood from the almug trees that they sent the navy to southern Arabia, got that wood, brought it back, made pillars for the house of God, made harps and made psalteries for there came no such almug trees nor were seen unto this day. If you wanted owl mug trees, stay with me. If you wanted owl mug trees for columns for the house of God, if you wanted owl mug trees to make harps and psalteries for the house of God, you had to enlarge your coast in order to get them. <laughs> Look at verse number 22. For the king had at sea a navy of Tarshish with the navy of Hiram. Once in three years came the navy of Tarshish, bringing gold and silver and ivory and apes and peacocks. I almost preached a whole message on apes and peacocks. Now stay with me. This is deep. Are you ready? They were not from Israel. For them to have that, they had to enlarge their coast. Now, there might be somebody sitting here tonight saying, well, why in the world would I want apes and peacocks? And my answer would be, why not? That's just cool. That's just awesome. Come on, y'all. Apes. They're fascinating. I could stand at the zoo and watch apes all day. Of course, I watch them at the house most of the time. My crowd. Peacocks. Man, that's just amazing. That's just, a, I mean, just peacocks walking around and their big old tail go up and you think, well, why would we want apes and peacocks? And my answer is, why not? But are you ready for this? If you're going to have apes and peacocks, you got to go where they are and get them. 
and bring them back. And the gold and the silver and the precious stones. Verse 23, so King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and for wisdom. Of course he exceeded all the kings for riches because he enlarged his coast and went and got it where it was, the gold and the silver and the cedars of Lebanon that he built the house of God with. He built his own house. Go read about the house of Solomon that he built. They called it the forest. It was a log cabin's what it was. He built a log cabin out of the cedars of Lebanon. And they went all the way to Lebanon and cut those trees down and brought them all the way back to Jerusalem. Say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that when you ask God to enlarge your coast, God enlarges your reward and allows you to experience things that you would have no idea what God has for you until you enlarge your coast. It's unbelievable to be sitting in there in the office and get an envelope in the mail. Some of y'all call them envelopes, but you're just crazy. They're envelopes. And you open up the envelope from somebody you don't know, and it's scribbled on the margins of the card. Please, whatever you do, don't stop live streaming your service. I'm a little widow down here in Virginia, and I don't have a good church to go to. And it's hard for me to get out, but I tune into your services and your services are a blessing. And here's a $50 bill from a little retired nurse in Virginia. And you go, my goodness, look at that. Ain't that something? And then right beside it is another envelope. And that one's stamped in Salt Lake City, Utah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, it wasn't Salt Lake City. It was Las Vegas, Nevada. And I'm thinking, man, that's my lottery ticket right there. That's my, that's my. And open it up, and there's a letter from a 79-year-old man. It says, please, whatever you do, don't stop live streaming your services and putting your messages on YouTube. I got born again, saved by the grace of God, watching your services, and included a check for $1,000. I was standing back there in the live stream. We were back there working on the, in, the, in the media booth, and, and Miss Emily come out, she come walking up the aisle. She says, I, just, I, thought, I, thought, I thought I better just bring you this. I started to text you and tell you to come to the office, but I thought, I'm just going to take it to him. And it was another card from a family in Arizona or New Mexico. You have no idea what a blessing it is to see a church still standing for the truth and to watch your services and to be challenged in the Word of God. And our family gathers around three times a week and we watch the services and it's a major part of our family schedule and a check for $5,000. Stand up here and tell you story after story after story after story like that. What am I saying? When you ask God to enlarge your coast, He enlarged the reward. Amen. And God allows you to touch people's life and influence people's life. He allows you to be able to sow seed in places you never thought possible. When you pray and ask God to enlarge your coasts. Now y'all do what you want to. But if if it's okay with y'all, I'm just going to keep praying this prayer because I've been praying this for a long time. I love the verse. I love the verse. I'm done. I'll read the, I'll give you the the punchline right here. Here's the punchline. 
First Chronicles chapter number four. Here's the punchline, our text. Back at our text. Enlarge my coast. Verse number 10. Look at the end of verse 10. And God granted him that which he requested. Amen. Brother Todd Bell, I went up and preached a revival for Brother Todd Bell about four weeks ago. The week after Easter. Up in Maine. Church planner up in Maine. They're starting their ninth church since he's been up there. I mean a go-getter. That man don't let no grass grow under his wheels. I can tell you that. You know what his saying is? He puts this at the end of all of his text messages. He puts it at the end of his emails. He puts it at the end of his letters. You know what it says? No steps, no stories. You want stories to tell? Do you want stories of God doing something? Do you want stories to tell your kids and grandkids? Do you want stories that you can tell of God doing amazing things in your life with you and through you? Well, you know what? You're going to have to take some steps to get the stories. There's not going to be a lot of stories that you can tell from your recliner. There's not going to be a lot of stories you can tell from your pew. Is everybody okay? I wish I had the time to go over to the New Testament. God enlarged the coast of the early church. He did it through persecution. And the Bible says through the persecution, they were scattered. You see that word three or four times in the book of Acts. Scattered. Acts 8.1, Paul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. You know what God was doing? God was enlarging their coast. In Acts 8, chapter 8, verse 4, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And guess what happened? People started getting saved. Gentiles started getting saved. And the apostle Paul in Acts chapter number 14, the Bible tells us that Paul gathered himself together with the church and they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. There was a greater reward because God enlarged their coast. I guess my message tonight is twofold. Number one, I wonder, would you pray for God to enlarge your coast as an individual and as a family? But number two, would you pray and ask God to enlarge the coast of our church and the ministry of this church so that we can have a greater impact and greater responsibilities and greater influence? And yes, the devil is going to turn the heat up. He already has. You know it and I know it. But I believe the reward's worth it. Amen. So my question to you tonight, are you at all interested in God enlarging your coast? Father, we come to you this evening.